Now, would you turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews the 11th chapter, and also Joshua chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 11 and Joshua chapter 1. I want to express appreciation to whoever put the water on the pulpit today. I thank you for that. I needed it this morning. Hope I don't tonight. Joshua chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11 verse 30, just one little verse. May we pray together before we read from the Bible. Our Father, we thank Thee for this wonderful joy being in God's house and all the wonderful people of the Lord and the choir that has blessed our hearts and this beautiful song, Victory in Jesus, and just the, the presence of Jesus here tonight, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts. May Christians be encouraged and God's people blessed. May somebody who is here tonight not saved come to know Jesus as Savior. In Christ's name, amen. I want to speak tonight about the secret of victory. The secret of victory. But the Jim sang, I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. I, I gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. There's victory in Jesus. Now the secret of victory, I think, is outlined in the life of one man in the Old Testament as much, if not more, than any other man or illustration that I could give. And so I want to speak to you tonight about the precious man who bore the name of Jesus in the Old Testament. They called him Joshua. But Joshua and Jesus are the same name. The salvation of the Lord. The Lord delivers. The Lord's deliverance. And so tonight we want to talk for a little while about the secret of success. The secret of victory in the Lord's work. The secret of victory in building a church. The secret of victory in our personal lives. The secret of victory in overcoming sorrow. In overcoming temptation. Overcoming sin. The secret of victory in arriving home at last on the shores of heaven. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now that's so beautiful to me because his name is not even mentioned there. Such modesty. The writer of this book absolutely, positively had to be referring to the power of God upon one man's life in such a way that the walls of Jericho fell without firing of a shot. Who was that nameless man written in indelible ink and heart cry upon our souls through this passage? His name is Joshua, Jesus. Now, so entwined are Joshua and Jesus that the writer of Hebrews, I mean the translators of the writer of Hebrews, when he was writing, got so caught up in the third heaven while he was writing that he even used the name Joshua, the translators did this, that used the name uh, Jesus when it should have been Joshua in Hebrews chapter 7. But you see those two names are the same. And so <clears throat> the secret of victory is all bound up in one person. That person is Jesus. And the Joshua of the Old Testament was so filled with the Jesus of the New Testament that he was a man of faith. And there are some parallels. He is called the son of none. 
Of course, that didn't mean that he was the son of nobody, but it does mean we don't know very much about Joshua's background. We do know nine things, and I want to give you these nine things about the man Joshua. And if you will turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, we'll have sort of a basis for what we're going to say tonight. Look in Joshua chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> Joshua is on page 259 in my Bible. Maybe on that page or some different page in your Bible. If you have the right one, it's 259. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou, go, that thou mayest prosper where, wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. Everything in that passage, those nine verses you ought to mark in your Bible. It's just meat for the soul. Over and over again, he says, now be strong, be of good courage. Don't be timid about it. Be a man of faith. Go forward in faith. I'm going to give you nine things about Joshua and uh, try to think, think these through, things through and keep them in your heart. Remember that one reason that we wonder about success, that we wonder about progress in our Christian lives, one reason that we're not sure uh, about victory ahead is because of discouragement and because of failure. How many in this place have ever failed? Anything. Failed a grade or you failed a test or you failed some temptation or you, or you failed uh, somewhere along the line to live up to your own expectations or the expectations of somebody else. You just failed. Lift your hands. Now look around. Everybody's saying, look around. See, you're not alone. <laughs> Everybody here has failed. In baseball, a man fails seven times out of ten. What do we call him? A loser? Hardly. He's hitting 300 and is known as a superstar, even though 70% of the time he doesn't make it happen. Babe Ruth made 714 home runs. Now fasten your seatbelts. He struck out 1,330 times. How many of you ever hear about the strikeouts of Babe Ruth? We don't hear that. Nobody ever talks about it. You have to look it up in the book of records to find that. 
but you do know about his Hall of Fame record and that he was the first one put in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when he died, 70,000 people filed through that stadium to see his body because he was the great of baseball. And yet he failed 70% of the time. And we fail, and we get defeated, we get discouraged, and we just want to throw in the towel and quit. What is the secret of victory? Let's look at the life of Joshua for a few minutes. Number one, he was the son of Nun. He had a great, 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 great grandmother whose name was Rachel. He had a great, 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 great granddaddy whose name was Jacob. And do you know who he was the famous son of? Oh, we call him the son of Nun because he was of the tribe of Ephraim. But any of you who know Bible history know who's, who Ephraim's father was. Who was he? Joseph. And so Joshua was a descendant of Joseph. And we know that much about him, but other than that, we don't know anything else. Number two, he was first mentioned in the Bible when Amalek was going to have a battle with the forces of Israel. And it's in Exodus 17, verse 5. And let me just read a little bit of it to you. Exodus 17, verse 5. Listen to this. Exodus 17 and uh, verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 9. And God said to Abraham, thou shalt, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong book. I'll get in the right book in a minute. Exodus 17. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose out, choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill and you know the rest of the story. Moses was there and Aaron was on one side holding this hand up and Hur was on the other. They held, their hand, held Moses' hands up and as long as Moses' hands were held up, the battle went good down there in the battle, in the valley while Joshua was fighting. But when Moses, when Aaron and Hur got a little bit tired and they let their hands down, the battle went against Joshua. And so we know we, it takes the general down in the valley fighting and it takes men to hold the hands up on the hill. It takes both. And that's the first picture we get of Joshua. First time he's even mentioned in the Bible. He's out there fighting the battles for the king. Now, he became the servant of Moses and he accompanied uh, the, Moses and went up to Mount Sinai when God told Moses to come up there and get the law. That's told in Exodus chapter 24 and in Exodus chapter 33. You remember that the children of Israel were down in the valley after they'd come out of the land of, of, uh, of Egypt and they were wandering around in the wilderness and they'd come to Sinai and God was going to give the law, the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. And God said, Moses, you come up. And you know who went up with him? Joshua. This young soldier went up with Moses. You ever wonder why he went up with Moses? He was walking with Moses. He was close to Moses. He didn't get over there with the groups of Korah who railed against Moses and said, you remember Korah, we talked about him last Sunday night. Korah, who was a, a sort of an upstart in Israel. He was a member of the priestly system, should have been a good friend of Moses. He was of the tribes of Levi. And he said to Moses, you think you're the only holy man. 
You think you can do more than anybody else. You take too much upon you. All of us are holy. You can't tell us what to do. And he got, he led a rebellion in Israel. And Moses got on his face before God. And then do you know what happened? The earth swallowed up Korah. Now listen, Joshua could have done the same thing. Joshua could have done the same thing. But Joshua got close to Moses. And he walked with Moses. He worked with Moses. He loved Moses. And he stayed with Moses. And when Moses went up on the mountain to get the law, Joshua was right there with him. He didn't go away from God. He went to God. Listen, one of the secrets of going on with God, one of the secrets of victory is getting as close to God and godly people as you possibly can and have nothing to do with the murmurers and the complainers and the people who have no faith. They stand around and say, well, we can't do it. We just can't do it. Don't have the money. Don't have the personnel. Don't, we can't do it. We just used to be able to do it. Maybe a long time ago we could have done it. We can't do it anymore. Get away from them. Don't be near them. Don't walk with them. Don't listen to them. Joshua got close to Moses. You know there were a bunch of people in his day who said we can't do it. They just said we can't do it. Impossible. Too many giants and all that in the land. And Joshua didn't listen to them at all. Now the fourth thing. He was one of the spies that were sent from Kadesh Barnea. There were 12 of them sent out. Caleb and Joshua were two of those. And when the others came back, they said, we can't. We just can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, we can't? Lift your hands. I have. Heard a lot of them say, we can't. And you know what? You listen to that. You listen to that. Uh, come up here a minute. Uh, Phil, come up here. Bob, come up here. Brother Johnny, come up here. Come up here on this platform with me. I want you to just stand right here and tell me, we can't, we can't, we can't. Make up all kinds of things. Come on, closer. You've got to be close so I can hear you. All right, let's hear it. Tell me, tell me that. We can't, we can't, we can't. Can't do it. No way. Can't, no, can't do, do it. it. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> no way. Don't like it. No, I, I know we can't do it. Never have done it before. I can't do it again. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Amen. Uh, no, go somewhere we can't else. do it. Nope, nope. Go down and sit down. Go down and sit down. Now I want to tell you, the world and the woods are full of people who say, I can't. Joshua got with those who said, I can, I can, and I'll do it for the glory of God. Caleb and Joshua came down together from that, from that excursion into the, into the land of promise. Ten of them said, we can't. Two of them said, we can. The ten said we can't because there are giants and there's this and that and the other. And two of them said we can because there's a God that rules in the world. And they walked with God. And Joshua was one of those men. All right. Fifth thing I want to show you. He was divinely appointed and ordained as the successor of Moses. In Numbers 27, we don't have time to look it up and read it, but in Numbers 27, he was divinely appointed to be the servant and the, the, the successor of Moses, and he accepted that. I've mentioned this before. Where was Moses' son? I was reading in the Bible the other day, and if you're reading the Bible through, you've read this already this year. I was reading about Moses' children. And I'll tell you, there are two or three places in the Old Testament where I cry. I never get through Genesis reading about Joseph without crying. Tears just come to my eyes when I'm by myself or reading with anybody else. I just can't help it. When Joseph finally revealed himself to his brethren. And then when I read about Moses' children, my heart breaks. Here's one of the greatest men that ever lived. All the rest of the history of Israel goes back 
and traces its lineage to Moses and they talk about what the great man of Moses today and, and all that. But here were Moses' own children. Where were they? Now listen, I want to talk to you young people a moment. If you've got a godly mother and daddy, get in step with them. Get close to them. Love them. Walk with them. Listen to them. Heed what they say. Don't run away. Don't rebel. Whatever you do, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And Moses' children rebelled against their daddy. They never were what they could have been. And here was a stranger, Joshua, the son of Nun, who got there with Moses. And I can just imagine some of the people got jealous. You know, jealousy is a terrible thing. It's as cruel as the grave. That happens today. Somebody gets close to the preacher and somebody says, oh, you shouldn't do that. Don't you get close. Look at that guy. He's always, he's brown-nosing. He's polishing apples and all that kind of thing. That's hooey-wooey. That's foolish talk. And you ought to get on your knees and repent of it. Get as close to the preacher as you can. Get as close to the man of God as you can. Joshua did. And some of the people, see, Korah didn't like that. And some of the others didn't like it. And uh, be careful. When you start taking a stand against people that get close to God's man, you get close. You get close. I used to know Dr. Finley Gibson. I loved him. He was a magnetic figure. Crowds came to hear him preach every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. That place was packed and jammed. You say that's not true on Sunday night. Yes, it was. There was standing room only, Sunday morning and Sunday night, all the time, and probably on Wednesday night. Now, when Dr. Gibson would finish preaching, he'd always, he never went to the doors and stood there. He always stood down front. Almost always there were people who come and got saved. He'd stand down there, welcome them, then he'd just stand there. If you want to speak to him, you get in a long line, a long line that stretched to the back door. You know, I want to tell you, shame on us if you run out the door when church is over. Young people, that's a sin. I see you do that sometimes. I meet you out here in the hall after baptism, and some of you just hardly wait to get out here, and their people get saved, and they've been down here in this line, and you don't even try to talk to them. Some of you adults do the same thing. That's wrong. If you want to speak to Dr. Gibson, you got in a long line, and I'd always get in that long line, and I'd stand there and stand there and stand there and stand there. And my dad, who wasn't a Christian then, he'd get mad at me. He'd say, you're always the last person to leave the church. I'd say, that's right. Always was. I still am. <laughs> got in a good habit years ago. And he wouldn't, wouldn't like it, and he'd understand. He, he didn't like Dr. Gibson for a long time because Dr. Gibson led us to Jesus and, and uh, my dad didn't like him. I'm, I'm not talking about him. Dad would tell you that if he were standing here tonight. He's been gone for 14, 15, 16 years now. But I love him. But he, he would say that. He'd have to tell you that. But, but years later he got over that and invited Dr. Gibson to our home. I, that was a wonderful day when he did that. I didn't think it would ever come but he, he did. Dr. Gibson tried to lead him to Jesus. I remember now his kneeling by my daddy with his Bible in his hand, trying to win him to Jesus. Well, I'd stand in that line, and I'd wait, and I'd wait, and I'd wait. And then on the nights that Dr. Gibson had baptism, the baptism was out there, and, and he'd, he'd go out the door, and by the time he was finished, most of the people were gone, so he'd go out a door over there, and I always knew where he went. And I'd go out there just to get a drink of water and stand there and wait just to talk to him. Now, I suppose there are some people who say, why, Richard Oldham's just brown-nosing. He's just trying to get close to the preacher. That's right, I was. 
I wanted to get close to the preacher. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what Joshua wanted to do. And I want to advise you tonight, get as close to the man of God as you possibly can. Don't run away. And don't get over in some little circle, on some little group and grumble and complain and murmur and say, I can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. Say we can do it. And by the grace of God, we will do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, Joshua, Joshua was divinely appointed and ordained to succeed Moses. Now, I want you to notice something else. He was given a solemn charge before all in Deuteronomy chapter 31. Turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31, verses 1 to 8. And Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said, I am 120 years old this day. I can no more go in and out. And also the Lord said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan, and so on. I look down to verse 7. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is, who doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Now that was the commission Moses gave to Joshua. The seventh thing I want to mention, after the death of Moses, God divinely installed him as the leader. And we read that a while ago, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. He was divinely installed by, by God. Number eight, he followed the leadership of God in the campaign of conquest in Canaan. God told him he'd always get his orders from God. When, when Moses died, Joshua, God said, Joshua, lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River on dry land. He said, yes, sir, Lord. Here's what you're to do. Go up there. And you get the priest to go in the water. And the minute you priest go in the water, the water will all back up. And you go across on dry land. Yes, sir. Went across, got across the Jordan River. Now listen, they're in enemy country. Now you listen carefully. Enemy country. And God said, Joshua, you call all the people together and tell them to consecrate themselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And he said, Joshua, during those 40 years of wilderness wandering, when all the old people died off and their carcasses are buried out there, those old people were not men of faith. And they did not do what I told them to do in circumcising their sons. So I want you to have a convocation in which all your sons are circumcised. Remember, they're in enemy country. That's a very difficult operation. And it causes a lot of soreness. Joshua said, yes, sir. And he did exactly that. While the enemy could have come down, he could have used human, human reasoning, said, said now, 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 Lord, you, you don't know these people. They'll come and get us while we can't fight. Joshua didn't say anything like that. He said, yes, sir, Lord. He did exactly what God told him to do. They waited. And in a little while, God told him to do the most foolish thing any general ever heard of. He said, I want you. You see Jericho over there? Uh, Joshua, this is a symbol of the way we're going to deal with Canaan. He said, I want you to go up there and march around that city and then come back home. Go up there the second day, march around. Do that seven days. On the seventh day, march around seven times. And then on the seventh time you've marched around, have the men blow their trumpets and break their pitchers and so on. And, and then I want you to, to uh, be ready and the walls will come tumbling down. And so Joshua did exactly minutely what God said to do. 
Now wait a minute. Before Joshua did that, he was surrounded by some henchmen who were God's henchmen. And they said, Brother Joshua, we're going to surround you. We're not going to let them treat you like they did Moses. They were always trying to stone Moses. They were always mutiny people. Always complaining, grumblers and murmurers and all that. And they said, uh, uh, they said Joshua, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to surround you with God's henchmen. And anybody that murmurs against you is going to be killed. And his henchmen wouldn't let anybody discourage the people. And so Joshua and his men went up there and surrounded the city. And the city fell without firing of a shot. Now that's Joshua. At the beginning of his work, those supernatural things. Now, in closing, I just want to ask you, I want to say three things about Joshua's life that will lead to victory. And anyone in this room tonight can copy those things in his life. And there's a guarantee of victory. Number one, Joshua had some priorities. I hope you'll write this down in your heart or in your Bible or on a piece of paper or something. Joshua had some priorities. You want to know the secret of victory? You have to have some priorities. Number one, he stayed with Moses. <laughs> he just got as close to Moses as he could and he stayed with him. You want to have victory in your home life? Husband, get with your wife and stay with her. Wife, get with your husband and stay with him. Don't, don't go out and try somebody else. The most dangerous thing that can happen in a home life is for some husband to be attracted by some old hussy over here. And he thinks nobody will know it. He's over in some other part of town or some other distant city or out in a car somewhere and he thinks nobody will know it. And so he just takes a few little liberties. And he finds his license. Nothing that will defeat your home life more quickly than that. Get with your husband. Get with your wife. Stick with them. When you stand at the altar and say, I do, you need to mean it. We have a bunch of liars that go to the altars. They come running down the aisle and stand here in front of the preacher. And the preacher says, uh, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded husband to love and honor and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others and keeping faith for his tryst of love as both along, long as both of you shall live? And he says, I do. He's got his fingers crossed because he doesn't mean it. He's lying. Same way with women. And I do ought to mean what it says. Don't marry somebody until you're ready to stay with them the rest of their life. That's what God plan, God's plan is. Some people are hearing this, this kind of message for the first time tonight. You may have already messed up your life. There may have been already some problems behind you. Think seriously about the venture of faith that you're going to take. If you're ever going to say I do to somebody else, mean it with all your soul and heart and mind. God's plan is one man for one woman for life. Joshua stayed with Moses. Got as close to Moses as he possibly could. And he, he just stayed with him. Do you think Joshua always agreed with Moses, Johnny? I doubt it. But do you ever read anything in the Bible that says Joshua didn't agree with Moses? Never even read about it. Isn't that funny? And I want to tell you, 
the sins of the heroes are usually listed in the Bible. David, great man after God's own heart, had two or three wives. Committed a terrible sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He wrote the 23rd Psalm. There isn't a greater man that ever lived, but he had problems. The heroes of the faith, their sins are all listed in the Bible. But with Joshua, you don't ever find where he disagreed with Moses. He stayed with him, stuck with him. You want success, you want victory, have some priorities. Stay with, Joshua stayed with Moses. Secondly, Joshua stayed with the Word. You know, Joshua was with Moses when he preached in the Old Testament about the cross. You remember that time when the Jews had sinned against God and God caused a poisonous plague of snakes to come on the Jews and the Jews were dying and, and uh, the, they said, Moses, pray for us. Do something. Pray for us. And Moses prayed and God said, make a brass image of a snake. Put it up on the post way out in the wilderness. And when you're bitten by a snake, if you look up at this brass image and believe my promise that if you look, you'll not die. Those Jews, those, those, you won't die. Those Jews would live. And so Moses did that. Joshua was right there. He heard that. He heard the preaching of the cross hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. And Joshua stayed with the word of God. How do I know? Years later, after they'd gotten into Canaan, Joshua was an older man. They'd gone through the land and there were a lot of gods in Canaan. There's a lot of immorality, a lot of impurity, lots of sin and little false images and all that. And Joshua called a great congregation near the end of his life. He began to talk to them about the gods they had served and the gods of these Canaanites. And he said, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. We're going to stick with the Word. Have some priorities. He stayed with the Lord. Secondly, Joshua had a purpose. He was committed to the will of God. He called the people to consecration. He committed his whole life to a life of faith. Faith. Terrible to fail. We've all failed. There's one thing Joshua didn't do in his ministry. And all of the rest of Israel's life, they, they suffered from that. God said, some hard things. 1986 Christians wouldn't take this. He said, when you go in there, you exterminate all those false religions and all the people that obey them and follow them. Because if you don't, they'll get into your, your life and they'll injure the faith of Israel. Joshua only partly followed that. In all the rest of Israel's history, they had problems with unfaithfulness, idolatry, because they let some of these Canaanite gods infiltrate into the Christian, into the Jewish faith. Last of all, Joshua got hold of some promises of God and believed them. 
And I'm talking about how to have victory in your Christian life. Number one, have priorities. Number two, have a purpose. His purpose was to follow the wonderful will of God. You know, if you have a purpose, almost anything can be accomplished. Somebody asked me the other day, how do I quit swearing? Quit using dirty words. Genuine Christian. I've been asked this many times through the years. I'm going to give you a simple, a simple little formula that will work. Next time you go out in front of people, we had a man in our, we had a, used to have a new members class years ago, and, and uh, we need to have it again. And this new member was, had just gotten saved. And uh, he's very frank, very, very open person. And he said, uh, Preacher, I'm having some problems. He said this in the new members class. He said, well, I'm having some problems. He said, I cuss like a sailor. And he said, I know that I ought not to do that. I'm a Christian now, and I'm ashamed of it, but I just can't help it. Those old words keep flying out, and I, they're just, it's, it's just a habit. I said, you really want to quit? Yeah. You really want to quit? Yes. You sure you want to quit? Yes. You positive? Yes. I said, I'll give you a hard thing if you really mean it. If you'll do this, you'll quit. Well, he said, all right, tell me. I said, uh, tomorrow when you go out there, and you, the first time you cuss, just stop right where you are and ask God to forgive you. And then say to the person that you cussed in front of, Sir, I'm sorry I did that. I became a Christian. And I didn't mean to do that. I embarrassed you and God. I said, will you do that? Uh, he waited a minute, hesitated. He said, well, uh, uh, I'll do my best to. So the next Sunday night, we were having this meeting again. And that man uh, came in and, and uh, uh, he sort of smiled at me sheepishly. And he said, uh, Preacher, I want to tell you some things that happened this week. He said, Monday I went out and he said, those old words started coming out of my mouth. And he said, I remember what you said. And I really wanted to quit cussing. He said, I just stopped. And I first asked God to forgive me. And then I said to that person that heard me, I'm sorry I did that. I became a Christian and I've hurt you and God. And he said, that man looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, I felt like falling through the floor. He said, later the day, the same day, he said, those words came slipping out of my mouth again. And he said, preacher, I really gritted my teeth and clutched my fists. And I said, I want to quit this. And he said, I did the same thing again. He said, after Wednesday, I didn't have any more trouble. Do you really want to quit? You want to go on with God? Do you really want to go on with God? Well, do what God says. Set some priorities. Have a purpose in your life. And last of all, believe the promises. Joshua, the walls of Jericho are going to come tumbling down and you're not going to fire a shot. I'll show them who's God. Now, now you know, most of us would like to say, well, I'll tell you, I want in on that victory. So uh, Joshua would have planned a great big martial victory. And he said what a good general he was and he planned all this stuff. See, God didn't want anybody to get the glory but himself. And listen, Joshua let God get the glory. Isn't that beautiful? A lot of times we move in and steal the glory from God. If we'll believe his promises and then move in on his promises, there can be victory in Jesus. Victory in our Christian life.
Hebrews 11 says in closing, and I'm not nearly finished, but I'm just going to quit. Hebrews 11 says, these men looked for a city. I think it includes Joshua. He looked for a city whose founder and builder was God. He looked beyond the visible to the invisible. He looked beyond the seen to the unseen. If you want victory, always keep heaven before you. Live in the light of eternity with eternity's values in view. Live in the light of heaven. Remember, we're just here for a little while. If we live to be 80 or 90 or 100, what's that with the thousands and millions and trillions of years of all eternity? 100 years is going to finish all of us off. If the Lord tarries, we'll all be gone. Not one person left here after 100 years. Maybe the smallest baby might live to be 105 or 10, but most of us aren't going to do that. And we're going to be over in glory in Emmanuel's land. Let me ask you to live here. As one who is on his way to Emmanuel's land. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. The other day at a funeral memorial service, Brother Robert sang, I'm kind of homesick for a city. A city to which I've never been. But I'm looking forward to going there. Do you ever get homesick for heaven? Live here in the light of eternity. And there will be victory in Jesus. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Father, thank you for this time together tonight to study the Bible. Just get together and rejoice in Jesus. It's been such a precious blessing to be here tonight. We pray that someone has heard God speak beyond the words of the preacher. And will just step out and say, I want to give my life to Christ. Lord, help someone to be under conviction. May the Holy Spirit do his work and draw lost ones to Jesus and saved ones to a walk with God. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Some of these Sunday nights, I'm going to be preaching for two or three hours. I never get through. I have a lot of other things on my heart I'd like to say to you tonight. It takes a lot of grit and gall and courage and backbone and self-sacrifice to have victory. In the days of the athletes of the, of the Olympic Games years ago, they would put great weights on their feet and run with those weights just to train themselves. And on the day of the, of the race, they'd take all those weights off and they could run fleet-footed. You see, if you really want some victory in your Christian life, it takes some blood, sweat, and tears. But the main thing it takes is a vital faith in Jesus Christ. And let Jesus come into your life. Let him reign in your life. Let him have victory in your life. And he'll help you. And you, you, you know, you, you'll go when you don't feel like going. You'll go on for God. 
There may be somebody here tonight who is not saved. Or you're not sure you're saved. Or you've just gotten saved and you need to confess Christ as your Savior. Or you're mixed up about it. You're not sure about it. I'd like to ask you to come. Let's talk with you. Pray with you. Help you find victory in Jesus. Maybe somebody else who's a Christian. You need to walk close to the Lord. Walk with Him. You know, there's somebody, maybe somebody here tonight who's having a great battle with some old habit in your life. And you want victory. Well, God will give you the victory if you'll let him. I want to urge you to step out by faith. Place your burden on, on the cross of Christ. While we sing, is there somebody who would step out for the king? Just come and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Or I've been saved and I need to be baptized. Or I want to move my membership to this church. I want to get going for God. Or I've been away from the Lord or I've been cold toward Him and I need to get back to Him. Whatever way God speaks to you, let's sing. What's our song? Just as I am without one plea. Will you sing? And let's pray.